We are green, green, green and racing for the X30 Junior Final in Valencia. And a great start from Leo Robinson from pole position. Nothing to worry about for the Fusion driver, the 37 as well as Macaulay Bishop trying to go around the inside. There was a bit of a gap and there was enough for him to dive through. Macaulay Bishop is back in the lead and that could be the start of some trouble for Leo Robinson. Watch out for Hugo Martinello with his XP machine. That was a bit too tight maybe for the launch in the turn number one. The door was shut immediately on the exit by Leo Robinson. That could be quite enough for Aaron Garcia to go through. And look at Aaron Garcia diving through. What a launch of an attack that was for Aaron Garcia. This is Sasha von Padbosch, unfortunately. Uh, by the look of it, it's going to have to retire. There is the young Dutchman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Commentator's Corner. They do say the number 13 is lucky for some, and I've got a very, very good friend alongside me on my immediate right-hand side. From Belgium, it is the man, the myth, the legend. It is Monsieur Guillaume Avaez. Uh, bonjour, Guillaume. Ça va? Bonjour, Alex. Ça va très, très bien. I'm very fine. I hope that you are as well. Yeah, not too bad at all. Guillaume, fresh from his uh, trip to the home of global motorsport, the iconic uh, Le Mans Karting International Circuit, where we recently had the FIA uh, Gearbox World Championships, which was a fantastic weekend, which, uh, Guillaume, you were, you were mainly stuck down in pit lane, whereas Mr. Sanson, uh, a good friend of ours, who's also been on the show, uh, was in the commentary box, but 56 races, intense competition, uh, including... Um, the moment when David Treveloff tried to make the move up the inside of Arvin Lindblad and it all went horribly wrong. Uh, but, you know, Treveloff was showing good pace. Um, you were on your feet quite a lot of the time because you were mainly in the pits. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, because, you know, the idea was to, as much as, possi as possible, to give insight to uh, the viewers from the drivers themselves. So we try with RGMMC as much as, as we can to, you know, get us out there. We're in the middle of the, of the Parc Fermé, in the middle of the paddock and uh, with the action going on. Uh, if you guys watched that, you you saw that sometimes it wasn't, in, it wasn't always easy to, uh, you know, just... For us to be there because there's a lot of work going around and yep. people are busy people are in a hurry so but it was a very fun experience and uh, indeed for because we were live for three days for about 24 hours we made the count with jake hansen which was a massive amount of uh, of live recording and live streaming and uh, that's why we, we, we decided on the friday and the saturday because we had so many qualifying races to give uh, the viewers and to give uh, Jake's voice as well a bit of a break and uh, mm -hmm. going down to the Parc Fermé, talking to the drivers from all categories. And uh, that was very fun to do. And the drivers, as always, very keen on talking and sharing the views from, uh, you know, fresh from the track, sometimes quite exhausted, actually, because uh, it was very hot with sometimes rain. And uh, there's a, there was a lot of gambling uh, on tires, a lot of strategies going on. So, yeah, it was a, it was a very fun event, very long and uh, on the, um, I was on my feet for quite a while, going back and forth between uh, the speaker booth and the Parc Fermé, mm -hmm. watching from trackside, watching and commentating with Jake. And on the Sunday, I was uh, mainly uh, commentating the, the two of us a bit in the morning, still trackside doing interviews and uh, the finals, it was uh, full on the two of us. Yeah, for those that don't know that Guillaume is an experienced commentator in his own right, uh, currently working with uh, Ayami uh, Benelux at the moment. Also, one particular year, you might remember, I did not venture over to the home of champions for karting gang for the BNL karting series 
kickoff reboot 2.0 because I uh, managed to contact Guillaume and uh, it was the first first couple of years I think it'd been a couple of years since you'd last been in the commentary box at, at Genk but also it was your first experience of Rotax as well uh, he's also uh, well he's actually a journalist as well uh, we're going to get onto that a little bit later um, but Guillaume just sort of um, how did you get bitten by the motorsport bargain was there <laughs> Who was the big influence in that? Was it someone in the family? Was it a good friend? You know, how, how did you get bitten by becoming a petrol head? <laughs> As we all are, big petrol heads indeed. Um, I, I'm, for myself, it goes back uh, a long time, I must say, because um, I'm lucky enough to, uh, to uh, I was born in Belgium, uh, which is where I live. I've been living all my life in Belgium. Uh, I moved out actually from my parents' house uh, more than a decade ago to live in Brussels. But my my region uh, where I was born and raised is clear is near to Spa Francorchamps. That's all. That's actually how the story began in the first place because uh, my my father actually i think it came it came mostly from my father because he's always been you know uh, very much a car enthusiast uh, very much uh, into old cars into vintage uh, models and stuff and uh, in my family as well my uncle has always been uh, very much into car owning kind of car repairing so ever since i was a boy you know i've seen vintage cars in the family and uh, I think that might have been uh, one of the reasons for the bug to come in and to, to be, you know, to be hit uh, by the bug. And yeah. then ever since, at some point, I was like, yeah, you know, this I like cars. You know, as a child, I like cars. I want to see more. And you know, a couple of a couple of times, my my dad took me to Spa to see uh, to to see the races. And um, I remember very well. It was it was about in two thousand and three. I was I was about 10, 10 years old at the time, and uh, having watched a couple of races in Spa, I discovered Formula One, and uh, I discovered I knew as a child about Ferrari. I knew about Michael Schumacher, but you know I had I had very little experience about Formula One wars, and that's how that's how it got me started. I think in the first place, uh, discovering Formula One 2003, 2004, I watched my my first Grand Prix, and uh, I was. Directly, uh, our, that that was it for me. I was as uh, mm-hmm. I, I was hit by the bug big time, and uh, ever since never missed a race, and uh, you know ended up becoming my job. Yeah, um, it's really nice to see that both not just your father but your uncle were the two main big catalysts in your life to to so like start the trend, you know, start the wheels spinning in motion to, to being where you are now. I mean, obviously through your uh, impressive resume, um, Guillaume was actually uh, working with the RAC, the RACB, um, the Royal Automobile Club of Belgium. And also um, quite interesting, you mentioned Spa because you were their former public relations officer from 2010 <laughs> to 2018. So a lot of love for that particular circuit, which I've had the opportunity to see certain parts of, you know, driving around the old um, Spa mm-hmm. Francorchamps layout, not the current 7.004 kilometer variation that we have now. Um, but what was the first ever race that you went to see trackside with family? Um, it must be, I have some, I have some very distant memories when I was very little of some Ferrari track days uh, back in the day in Spa, must have been uh, by 2000, 2001. Uh, but, you know, it gave, 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 gave to me some sort of first impressions. And then yeah. it was after, after a while that I really 
it, I really got into it. But one of my biggest and most fun memories must be the 2004 Belgian Grand Prix. I went there with my uh, with my father and a friend of ours, and uh, it was really for me the first time that I, I witnessed Formula One cars live going in Spa, the days of Fernando Alonso and the Renaults and the McLaren and Kimi Raikkonen. And uh, let's remember, it was the, still the days of the V10 at the uh, you know at this period before we switched yeah. to V8 and V uh, and V6 nowadays. So it was the noise, the atmosphere, being in Spa for the Grand Prix was very much uh, yeah very much uh, a, new, a big impression on me at the time. Uh, so it must have been yeah the first big event that I ever attended um, as, a, as still as still a young boy at the time. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was very special. Now, how did you get into commentary? Because I still remember a particular time when I got a phone call from a certain good friend who will be getting on this show, Chris McCarthy, you have been warned, when um, both you and he uh, were teamed up and it was the first round of the FIA European Karting Championship in 2018. That was the weekend that I took my first ever trip to Karting Genk, the home of champions. Um, and then that started my journey in, in European commentary circles. And I've gone a little bit further since then as well, having traveled to Muscat and Bahrain last year. Um, how did you get involved with commentary? Because I know that yeah. for a fact that you've, you've done quite a bit of, of course, you know, I Army Belgium, obviously, uh, we have to give a shout out to our good friend Thierry Lepine from Marienburg, uh, a good guy, fantastic individual, uh, and is has a Absolutely. lot of passion for karting. Um, you've also worked, um, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, you also did the Fun Cup E-Series. So you had the likes of Chris, we had yourself, we had, we even had the legend that is Mr. Henry Baudet that jumped <laughs> on at one point. Um, how did you get involved with commentary, buddy? Because obviously you've got a long resume as a journalist. Um, how did you get involved? Well, that's a that's a funny story, you know, because um, as I always said, you know, to, to some people asking me the same question, well, uh, there's no school for speakers there's no there's no course that you can follow no way in the world to become a racing commentator you know it happens through contact that happens uh, by chance as well you know yeah. and for my part that's pretty much how it happened you know meeting people being i guess at the right time at the right place and um because as as you said you know i'm my my primary uh, job is uh, being a journalist being a reporter in the motorsport and uh, in car and in, uh, in the car industry as well for quite a good number of years but i've always you know i've always wanted to get myself as much as possible involved in the motorsport world you know one way or another so being a journalist is one side and uh, the commentating side actually it came it goes back to 2015 2016 actually and uh, once you know it goes back to as I said, it's about meeting people. It's about talking to people in the business, showing some interest and showing some some skills yeah. and some some will to you know to give it a try. And um, because basically my my, my career as a, if we can, if we can call it that way as a, as a commentator started in 2016, and I met one guy uh, whose name might be familiar to uh, many of your listeners in the car industry uh, in in the motorsport world. Uh, especially in the French-speaking motorsport world. His name is Thomas Bastin, who has been for years now uh, one of the voices in the Le Mans 24 hours and, uh, you know, one of the big names that we have in the GT world as well. Very passionate about karting as well and is uh, one of the commentators for 
a good number of years of the uh, IMA series Benelux as well, uh, sharing with me the duties uh, year and year now for yeah 20, since ever since 2016, and uh, we got to meet, we got to talk as I was still a student working in spa, doing different jobs here and there, trying to yeah. you know get get involved as as much as possible and uh, you know we got we got to talk and at the time it was just uh, you know it was very busy with uh, a lot and lot of different races and sometimes as you know date clashes so it was very much in search of some new young young guys uh, or girls interested in uh, in in commentary you know for the national belgian championship at the time and uh, i showed interest uh, because I was very keen on trying that. And uh, that's how it started, basically. You know, and he, he asked me to come to Mariambo 2016 um, to get myself into this new world that I, had, I knew nothing about, basically. You know? I knew about karting, I knew about, uh, you know, the scale of motorsport, but it was still very, very distant to me, you know, uh, because I had been busy with my studies as well, working a lot in Brussels, you know, traveling along. So... But 2016 was the year I actually I was I graduated from uh, from school, so it was time for me to you know to get busy, and uh, I had I had been uh, I had been working as a as a young journalist as well you know in motorsport already writing as much as I could, but you know it's really that year that it all started. He came he asked me to come to Mariambo, and uh, just give me the mic. You know he said okay <laughs> here's your here's your school here's the time for you to try it give it a go. And uh, let's see how it happens. <laughs> and I must say, that was hard. That was yeah. hard because there's no there's no way you can. I mean, there's ways you can actually get get practice done. There's ways you can learn uh, practicing at home. You're doing it on videos, but at the time, you know, it's still a couple of years back, and uh, I didn't have as much access as I would have liked at the time on social media or on sure. YouTube content and that kind of thing. So it was very much. I was starting very much from scratch. And uh, the best the best school at the time was, yeah, here you go. Here's the microphone. The race is starting. This is qualifying heat of the uh, national championship. Give it a go. And uh, it took me a bit of a while, as you can imagine, to get used to that. Because uh, then uh, even, even for car, car commentator, uh, that's what he told me at the time, being able to commentate in karting, if you manage that, then you can do everything. That's what, uh, that's what he said to me. That's but, what he said. I, I have to say that is one, Thomas, uh, 100% spot on. I 100% yeah. agree because when you're dealing with a 36 strong capacity grid and it's the final and it all kicks off, you know that if you go to, let's say, a 60 minute GT4 race or in my case, I was I, I was doing the odd occasional commentary, like I went to Donning, Donington Park, and we had the Caterhams, the Mazda MX-5s, yeah. where you've got like 40 plus cars, you know that you can handle it, because you've already got that experience. So yeah, Tomo was very, very spot on uh, with that. And that's a really interesting story to hear how you got involved, it's just like saying, yeah, I want to give it a go. You went, you jumped in feet first, and here That's you are right. now, uh, a very established commentator in your own right. Not, <laughs> not, but I mean, the fun, the funny thing is, when I listen to people's commentaries, and Guillaume's especially, no, English is not your native language. Indeed not. And you, you sound one hundred percent professional. I can hear it clearly, exactly that's, what Guillaume said. Very nice of you to say. I'm trying but, to. <laughs> well, the the thing is, is that when it's not your mother tongue, I know that. I, I know for a fact that commentating in multiple different languages is never easy, especially when the fact um, when people like myself and Guillaume, 
we can switch between languages. Like I can switch from English to German at the drop of a hat. Guillaume can sw switch from English to French to however good your Flemish is at the moment. <laughs> it's quite all right. A bit rusty yeah. on the edges, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I keep it up. People are trying to still get me to learn either Dutch or Flemish. And I went, that's not going to happen when I speak three different languages already. Um, <laughs> right. Now we get to a nice little part, which I like to call the social media funny moment. Well, actually, there's a couple I've spotted because I have looked at Guillaume's social media. And oh it's not God. Twitter this time. It's Facebook. So the first picture is oh 31st of August 2019. You're, in a, you're accredited for the Belgian Grand Prix. And so there's the, uh, there's the, there's the picture of Daniel Ricciardo when he was still with Renault in, part, mm -hmm. in, in, in the big uh, thing in the background. You've got your pass in the front and then it's got the Formula One, Johnny Walker, Belgian Grand Prix. Guillaume's words were, and I quote, I'll actually put it up on the screen now, day three in the chocolate factory. <laughs> finally found one minute to take my, my own past picture um right I, I need to ask one question because everyone that has ha had an opportunity to photograph their past when they're in the formula one paddock you you're lucky if you get that done now uh, am i correct in saying that chocolate factory is a reference to belgium in general yeah definitely definitely <laughs> i had uh, i had that in mind I had that in mind, being being in Belgium, you know, as we're, we're very much into chocolate, you know, <laughs> this has been yeah. absolutely spot on. And uh, yeah, my God, I, I I need to take a look at that picture because I can't even quite remember it was a while ago. But, you know, it just, I, I said to myself, you know, so many times have I seen on social media, you know, yes. some, some journalists that I've been reading for years and years, taking pictures of their own past. And I was like, yeah, this looks so cool. You know, it's a bit... Yeah, it can be a bit cocky at times, but showing that, but it shows that I was lucky enough to be there. So I thought, yeah, yeah why not doing the same at least to show that? But <laughs> I, I did exactly the same thing back in 2014 for the Silver for the British Grand Prix. And like nice, saying, nice. this is where, you know, three years ago, I never thought I'd be in Formula One. And that all there is is there's a picture of my laptop and the green pass, as it was back then, not the mm -hmm. magenta or purple pass. Yeah. Um, I think I think the thing is there could be a chocolate reference reference the color of the passes as well like Cadbury's dairy milk or, or something <laughs> like that but the second picture we're going to go a little bit further back we're going to go a couple of years back and it is still in August and it was when you're at the Franchimont oh medieval fair um, I, forgot it, I forgot those one wow, <laughs> I mean the, the funny thing is there's a lot of there's a lot of traditions in Belgium and I think it's quite nice that you know, you, you celebrate them. And I, I kept on thinking, hang on, has Guillaume transitioned into Robin Hood in his younger days or something like that? <laughs> <you know? laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's great, isn't it, though, where you're you're able to celebrate these traditions and, and, mm -hmm. and dress up in medieval gear and, and just sort of like have a laugh. And there's a big smile on your face, which says volumes. Absolutely. Yeah, for, for, for a bit of context for those, uh, for those of you listening, uh, actually, it's, it's true that in my own region, so close to Spa-Francorchamps, to, to give you an idea, I'm living near uh, an old medieval castle that has been there ever since Middle Age. And uh, yeah, there's a tradition every two years of uh, a huge two-day uh, medieval festival. This is, this is a medieval fest that uh, reenact the the old the old days the old age of uh, of the middle middle period actually and uh, that's a tradition that has been going on for uh, can 
can remember a long decades now, ever since the age of my grandparents and parents and everything. And every two years, that's a tradition that uh, myself and a lot of my friends tend to, uh, yeah, tend to tend to relive. Uh, we have we because of COVID, the last time was 2019. So next next time will be uh, 2023. So you know, a bit of a big gap. So we we're missing it. But yeah, that, they, these are some of the traditions that we're very keen on. Uh, you know, perpetuating over the years and generations. And uh, that's, yeah, that's one of the biggest events in medieval terms and that you can find in the Benelux. So, you know, if you ever get a chance to, to go there, Alex, uh, of course, do so. And if that's the case, I'll give you a call and we'll meet up. Absolutely. Uh, that's, def- that's one <laughs> thing we've tried to do over the last few years. It's never quite happened because we've been so damn busy. Right, next uh, question. Um, off the top of your head, give me a couple of favorite drivers that you've followed over the years and your reasons why um well the first the first name that popped up to my mind is uh Ayrton senna because um, that might sound like uh, you know very logical to a lot of uh, motorsport aficionados but um, ever since i discovered formula one at a very young age, you know, um, and you know, I knew very little about the sport. So for yeah. years and years, I kept reading about about the sport and the history of, the mo- of motorsport in general. And uh, I don't, don't know, God knows how many books and magazine I've been collecting over the years, reading a lot of about the history of the sport. And among the so many different figures and great figures that we have in the in history of the sport. I found just Senna fascinating. Ever since I was a boy, I kept reading uh, about him. And even though I never, I never saw him race, like many, uh, many of us in my, of my generation and our generation, Alex, unfortunately. But, you know, just it, the history of the man, his achievements, uh, his complexity, and everything he's been through uh, to be the best at what he, in, in, in Formula One in motorsport. I just found this fascinating. So. It's definitely one of the, it's definitely been one of the drivers I've been I've had the most uh, passion uh, following over the years, mm-hmm. and that I always, we always come back to Senna one way one way or another <laughs> in everything that we do, and uh, yeah, definitely is uh, on top of my list uh, definitely. Um, for other names, of course, being you know being a young F1 uh, fan, Michael Schumacher has been very much uh, the driver. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the spotlight uh, at the time, and I, I was uh, start, I started following the sport. Um, but you know, when it comes to F one, I've never been. You know, I've had my heroes, uh, the two names I've mentioned, for instance. But I've I've always very much been uh, a team guy rather than uh, just a driver guy. So I've you know I've liked a lot of different drivers over the years. I've got my yeah, I've got some favorites, but. Um, I've been very much, uh, you know, linked to the story of some teams like Ferrari, for instance, McLaren, you know, and I find I find the story of teams sometimes, you know, even even more fascinating than the drivers themselves. So it depends, you know, for some time for I could have a period of years where I'm very much linked to a team uh, and I appreciate all the drivers competing for that team. And sometimes I can go to another one because, you know, I grew I grow fond of a different story. So I'm a little bit of a yo-yo and that kind of thing, um, but Senna will definitely be uh, the one, the one that keeps coming back, especially in karting, pretty much because you know there's a, a lot of most of pe- most people will know about Senna from his achievement in Formula One or in single seater, but uh, I think that his path in in the karting world is uh, is absolutely fascinating. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember interviewing Terry Fullerton a few years ago um, yeah. for uh, an anniversary since um, Ayrton's passing. And I still remember the times when people were talking about when Terry and Ayrton were teammates. Um, and then you also had the fact that they were mucking about. There was some stupid activities around by the pool so they'd probably be pushing each other in and that kind of stuff yeah, as well I, I think also one of the one of the drivers that i uh, when it comes to belgian motorsport um the name jackie x oh. it just comes to my mind right again how could i forget it oh my god sorry about that indeed yeah we're sharing the same the same passion for the band indeed yeah um but jackie have x, you ever yeah. have you ever been starstruck when you've actually met a driver like say if you're going to interview somebody have you ever had that moment where you've just gone holy yeah. crap is this actually happening um i think jackie x is a good name because uh actually if uh, yeah actually i think jackie x uh, was probably the first driver i ever had a passion for even before senna so i don't know i don't know how on earth i could forget about it in the first <laughs> place but indeed i was I, I just i remember actually one of the um they have in the michel vaillant series you might remember that they have a series about drivers oh yes yes yeah. uh mr sanson is absolutely besotted with michel vaillant who was actually yeah. uh what was it wtcc a la minute did the mm -hmm. full Michel Valiant had his had his yeah. traditional sort of like graying hair dyed jet black had the contacts in had the full Valiant get up even on the Chevrolet Cruze uh, WTTC car he had that weekend yeah which is, uh, absolutely which uh, I, I think I remember getting messages from Jake so like, Michel Valiant is Alamenu and I was like oh my god here we go <laughs> fanboy <laughs> alert fanboy <laughs> alert absolutely absolutely no no I'm very much very much a Michel Valiant fanboy as well you know I've, I've had a lot of them and the, the Michel Valiant dossier when they talk about the history of drivers is uh, absolutely absolutely fantastic if you get a chance to uh, for those of you listening to to read it one day is uh, and one of one of them one of the first one they ever produced years and years ago was, was about Jack Hicks and um, about it I found I found the you know the history of the man absolutely absolutely fascinating then and uh, yeah I think that Jack Hicks is a good name because uh, you know I've been lucky enough to meet him a couple of times to spend time with him in Brussels. Uh, in the Club David, which is the association of, uh, of motorsport aficionados that we have, along with uh, sort of some of my uh, F1 colleagues. And uh, Jacques is very much one of the uh, chairman, one of the co-founders of the association. So he, he comes from time to time. And uh, yeah, I think that that must be one of the biggest names uh, I've met. But if I, if I have to be honest, um, I had a ch that chance, that tiny chance, it happened just once, to talk to uh, the great Michael Schumacher himself. And it was, uh, I still remember that, that as clear as day. And it was 2011, so, you know, more than a, a decade back, 2011. And I was there as a, as a student working with Spa Grand Prix, the race promoter. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an event organized by Mercedes in the, in the motorhome down in the paddock where Schumacher had gathered all the, all the drivers and the press to, to celebrate you know, 20 years of, of Formula One ever since it started in 91 with uh, the Jordan in Spa. And uh, we got a chance to be there. And uh, after the event, he was chilling down a little bit. He was, you know, uh, eating with his family, having a drink. And I said to myself, okay, now is my time. I'd like to go to him and shake his hand and just tell him a few words, just how much 
my appreciation, yeah. you know, almost huge. My appreciation was for him and still is. And uh, I took my courage and I went for him. It just it lasted maybe 10 seconds, but it was, it was very gentle, you know, and, uh, and then we, we shook hands and we talked for a little bit and then uh, I left him, I left him to his business, but my, I, I could still, I could still to this day feel my heart pounding in my chest because <laughs> I was close. I was close to a man, you know. I was just, you know, yeah. I just was just half a meter close to him, and we got, I got to talk to him, and um, that was absolutely, absolutely special. So I think, yeah, in terms of driver's starstruck, uh, that's certainly my top. Yeah. Well, that really means that with the heart fluttering, yeah, that's when you get starstruck. You've got the goosebumps on your forearms, yeah. the hairs are standing on the back of your neck. That's brilliant. That's a wonderful story there, Guillaume. Right, we've got just uh, three more questions to go. We are running a little bit short on time because uh, obviously these recording formats never quite go to plan, right. but we'll get through these Let's as go. quickly as we can. <laughs> so commentary idols, have you got any? And if so, name the first three that pop into your head um well one one man i've always been, uh, look up as a as an example is the, the one that, that got me my chance uh, and yeah. that i talked about earlier thomas pastin you know is very always very always been uh, you know a very highly professional commentator and journalist as well in in belgium and the french uh french motorsport in general so you know one man i've always uh, been looking up to um, in most recent years uh, i would say that uh, i grew very fond and uh, of will buxton uh, from from oh, yes <laughs> yes it's always been a man that, that i adored uh the uh, you know the commentary the voice the humor and just the character that he, he represents for formula one ever since uh, he got into the spotlight of uh, presenting uh, the different program along with uh, a lot of very talented commentators so yeah buxton will be on my list and uh in terms uh, of commentators, I mean, there's one I have to mention because he's the one I grew up with watching Formula One is Gaëtan Vigneron, the voice of RTBF, the national Belgian TV. Um, ever since I, I started watching Formula One, he's been the voice for me, the one I was, you know, looking looking forward to hear on Sundays. And um, I got the chance to meet him. We became, we became colleagues and friends over the years. So I think Gaëtan has always been, you know, one voice, one man. I was uh, always, you know, and I still to this day because he's still around doing his job every Sunday, you know, and is, uh, is yeah, truly a, a good example for me. Brilliant. That's fantastic. I mean, that's the first time anyone's mentioned Will Buxton. Will, you got a mention finally on Commentator's Corner. <laughs> um, right, okay. Penultimate question. Your top three favourite moments in commentary. Now, this can be either something Ooh. you've listened to or something that you have commentated on. So wow. top three yeah. that you can think of. Uh, and I always go right now because it's, yeah. it's easy to have that quicker chain of thought you know mm -hmm. well fa favorite i think one one yeah the first one certainly ah, that's a tricky that's a tricky, tricky question i would say that most memorable memorable uh, moments for me the one that you know i always remember um it must be uh, the first of the time i i did commentary on the fire karting championship and it goes back to some 2018 uh, my first ever weekend with Chris McCarthy uh, at, at the microphone of the championship with RGMMC. Uh, there was a, once again, uh, an entire new world for me because I had been commentating for the national series. Uh, that same year, I met Chris at Marienbourg 
for the IM International Open, thanks to Olivier Seb, uh, that put me in the spotlight with uh, Mr. Thierry Lepin as well. And uh, that was a very special event because I got to meet uh, James Guido from RGMMC and the entire crew, Chris McCarthy. And from, from that point on, we went to, to Sano to commentate on the FI Karting Championship. So that, that weekend in Sano was a new, a totally new world uh, opening up to me. And uh, that, that was the start of a story still going on to this day. So that would that will be one. And uh, uh, maybe, yeah, uh, I would say that uh, Portimao 2020, the Fire Karting World Championship, uh, because um, I had uh, there had been a break uh, between 2019. I had a bit of commentary uh, for a fire karting in 2019, being busy with other series and car as well. But it was uh, actually because of COVID, uh, Jake Sanson couldn't be there. So I got a call yes. within two weeks before the event of James Guido asking me, okay, would you be available to come for two weeks in Portugal? Uh, commentating on not only FA Karting World Championship for the OK and the OK Junior and the champions of the future series the, the, the week before. And because of yes. COVID, I was, I was I had to go, but I couldn't come back in between. So let's say that it didn't, it didn't go well with my girlfriend that I had to I had to announce that, you know, that's quite a big deal. I would need to go. And she she totally understood and we we figured this out and then finally yeah. it happened. So, but I was on my own actually because uh, ever since I was used at least for the FA Karting Championship, I wished I used to be to have someone by my side as it was go. But I was on my own for two weeks doing commentary, doing everything that there is with interviews, and and the weather was not not that easy. So it was a very big challenge for myself, and uh, you know uh, we went through it, and uh, it was a very great event, two great events. So it will be definitely one of my uh, one of my big uh, big memories, and um, and uh, for commentary, uh, there's so many, there's so many of them. I'll, I'm well, you, to you know, you one. know what? We'll leave it at those two because they involve yourself, um, which is really really cool. I remember because Jake was actually hit with COVID at that time, yes, could not indeed, travel, yeah. and the restrictions were were so ridiculous back then thank god things are a bit different now but your final question and here's where there's a little bit of a spin on it because i'm <laughs> going to ask you on this question and i'm going to provide my own response where we close out the show so guillaume if you had no budget and you had a choice of any car of your liking be it road car or race car and circuit to take it round what would you choose Wow, that's a tricky one. Any sort of car. Oh, it, have, it would have to be an old one. It would have to be an old one. Uh, it can be in a road cars or racing cars, right? Road or racing car. No budget, no glass ceiling, my friend. Okay. Um, wow, that's a tricky question. Uh, how would have? I would go. I would go for, for F1 cars because there's nothing better. So. You know what the heck? Let's <laughs> let's float the boat out, shall we? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I might go for one of Senna's cars, and uh, I'd I'd like to have a go at the uh, McLaren Honda MP44 from 1988. Oh, nail right on the head there, my friend. And which you track? did you, you you did say without any budget? Let's hey, exactly. Go, so. That's the whole point <laughs> because it gives us so many great different answers yeah. as well. Yeah, because this is one of Formula One's best ever cars, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. just to just to be able to sit in it and uh, to to take it for a spin, that would never happen in a million years, I know, but that would be just a dream. Yeah. And which track? Oh, oh yeah, of course. Sorry about that. Uh, that would that would have to be Spa. That would have to be Spa Francorchamps. 
my home track where I grew, very fond of motorsports. So yeah, no second choice. Okay. How about yourself? Right. We are also going to stick with the MP44 because of the fact we're both uh, very uh, big Senna fans in our own rights. But I would not go to Spa. I would go to Suzuka. <laughs> because, Good of one. course, we're, we're talking yeah, about yeah, the, ori of the origins of the RA168E 1.5 V6 Turbo. That was the engine that was powering that car and yeah. it was the most dominant in that. Yeah. Well, that really wraps up Commentator's Corner. We've run out of time here, folks. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Guillaume, it's been a pleasure as always. And one of these days, hopefully later on this year, I'll give you a shout when I'm in the Brussels vicinity and we'll catch up over a bière or fool or something like that. But thanks for Absolutely. jumping on board with me, mate. With pleasure. Thank you very much, Alex, for having me. And, uh, you know, long life to uh, Commentator's Corner. Indeed, indeed. And a big thank you to Traction.gg for giving them, um, giving us a welcome mention just after the first 10 episodes. That's it for episode 13. We'll have another great guest on episode 14 coming up soon. Thank you for tuning in. See you very soon. <laughs>